Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Does anybody remember Thursday, October 1st, 1987, about 7.45 in the morning? Anybody remember that, that day? I do, for two reasons. First, I can still remember, there I was, still wearing my pajamas and being jolted in my bedroom, running to the doorway, bracing myself for, perfection it, for protection because it felt like someone was taking the floor of my house and wringing it out like a rug. It was the Whittier Narrows earthquake. I don't know if you remember that, 1987. It was the most uh, overwhelming earthquake I ever felt. It felt like my house was just going about to fall over. The second reason I remember that day was the reason that I was still in my pajamas at home on a school day, Thursday morning. I'll get there in a second. But just to remind you all, this morning we continue our series, Control, Alt, Delete, uh, Rebooting Your Life, Resetting Life from Regret to repentance. And I hope that you've been enjoying that study if you've been doing it in your life group or with your family or for your own personal devotions. And if you didn't pick one up, make sure you grab one on the way out there at each of the exits uh, this morning. We started out big a few weeks ago and we talked about righteousness. We went to peace. And lastly, we talked about desire. And we had Lightning McQueen here with us with the kindergartners. That was fun, if you remember that. And today we're talking about youth. Okay, that's the second reason why I remember October 1st, 1987, Thursday morning. You see, I should have been dressed and at school, or at least on my way to school. But I was at home, still in my pajamas, riding out the earthquake, because I was serving the first of three days of being suspended from Sarah Villa Junior High School. I confess... You see, the day before, that Wednesday, I had been disrespectful to my science teacher. And I'm not going to tell you all the details, but I was very disrespectful to her. And so later that afternoon, this found me. The blue screen of death, right there. Or for you Mac users, the spinning pinwheel, okay? It found me. It also looked like my principal. And she came, found me in PE class, and she shut down my operating system right there, right? And she had every right to, because what I did deserved punishment, and that's why I was suspended. Well, I gave you kind of a funny example, a quaint example for a sermon not too incriminating for me, and you're still going to let me be your pastor, I hope. But on a serious note, we all have things in our youth in our past, in our early days that we aren't proud of, right? Some of those things are pretty innocent, and we're still maybe guilty for them, or we still feel some shame for doing them. And some of those things are intensely life-altering that cause extreme damage to ourselves or to our family or those loved ones or for, to complete strangers around us. And then we've got all sorts of things all in between on the continuum. I know for a fact that some of us in the room this morning were haunted by that past. We wish we could go back and press Control-Alt-Delete and just reboot it, hold the power button down, and start over. And that's what we've been talking about this season of Lent. Because the good news from the Word of God is we can do that very thing. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says these words, Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. 
Repent. That's the biblical word for reboot. And repentance is far more than regret. Repentance, as we've been talking about, it's a change in our mind and our heart and our whole being. We look into ourselves and we see that thing that we said or we did or we thought or we neglected to do. We look into ourselves, we're honest with ourselves, and we say it's wrong, it's broken, it's sin. And we say before God, I am a sinner and I'm in need of you, God. I'm in need of you, good, good Father. And by God's spirit, somehow we turn from that and we turn to God, whether it's the sins of our youth or the guilt and shame that haunts us or the rebellion in our life right now, we turn from it by the Holy Spirit and we turn to God. We turn to him. That's repentance. I used to be a youth director up in the Bay Area, up in San Francisco area, East Bay. And uh, that's how I started out in official full-time church ministry. Director of Christian Education did worship and did youth stuff. And we had a team of volunteers at that church that, that we were all trying together as hard as we could to love the kids, the junior hires and the high school students. We were trying as hard as we could to point them to Jesus. We were trying as hard as we could to be with them as they faced the temptations and the struggles that teenagers have always faced. Alcohol, sex, drug, pornography, peer pressure, authority issues, all of that stuff. The list goes on. You know the list. One of the volunteers that I had a chance to work with there, she was passionate, passionate about working with the youth. I'm going to call her Jane this morning. And uh, she had, Jane had a daughter, great daughter. She had an awesome husband. She had a good job. And she had a desire to love and to serve the youth of her church. You see, she had that desire because Jane had made some unwise choices in her youth. You know that list I just mentioned? She went through that list like it was a checkbox, right? Alcohol, drugs, next, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Next thing you know, Jane was pregnant. Not married, in high school, a student, still a child, really. Next thing, Jane went to Planned Parenthood. Next thing, Jane was no longer pregnant. And Jane told us her story. The volunteers gathered around her as we listened to her testimony. Tears in our eyes. She told us how as a teenager she felt so alone that she felt unsure, that she became depressed, that she felt she was filled with guilt and remorse and sadness and grief. And then she spiraled down even further, making more uh, bad decisions and choices in her life. And her life was almost unbearable. Jane wanted to end it. And there at the bottom, Jesus Christ found her. In the midst of a terrible time in her life, he found her down there. He loved her. He cared for her. She took an honest inventory of her sins. She identified them. She owned them. She admitted them. And by the Holy Spirit of God, she turned. She turned from them to God. Jane repented. She rebooted her life. And she told us an awesome story about how her life had changed, about the healing she felt, about the grace she received, about the mercy that she found in God's word and in God's people, in her local church. She found a new life, a new rhythm of life. She found the rhythm of repentance. And year after year, and she told us it took years, 
Year after year, she grew and she healed. And eventually, she married a strong Christian man. Eventually, she had a beautiful daughter. Eventually, she had a good job. Eventually, she came to serve the youth of her church. A life of repentance. She still had grief in her heart. Like all of us who grieve the loved ones that, have, that we have in our lives that have died and, and gone to be with the Lord. But her grief was tempered with hope. Because she knew that one day she would meet the baby she never had a chance to hold. Jane told us her story and we were cut to the heart. She'd made some bad decisions in her life that could only be remedied, could only be met by the unfailing love of a good, good Father God, the goodness of his being. Her story's not unique, right? I heard two, two other stories just this very week, two other testimonies. One of our members, a pastor here in Orange County, their, their stories mirrored Jane's in multiple ways. We probably have dozens of people, if not hundreds of people on campus this morning with similar stories to Jane's. We could go back 3,000 years and find stories just like hers. King David. King David, who was described in the scriptures as a man after God's own heart. King David, who slew Goliath the Philistine, who stood up for the nation of Israel as a youth. That same King David, he committed grave and serious sins. Adultery, conspiracy, murder. And he was described as a man after God's own heart. Psalm 25, verse 7. King David says this prayer. He pleads with God. He says, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. And that prayer to God, King David, he asks an amazing thing of God. Sure, he's saying, God, forgive me, yes. He's saying, God, renew me, yes. He's saying, God, redeem me, yes. He's saying, have mercy on me, God. But even more than that, he's saying, don't even remember my sins, God. Don't even remember my rebellious ways. God, erase them forever from your mind. Why did he pray that? Why did David pray that? Did he pray that because the sins that he had committed still haunted him? The shame he felt still plagued him. The guilt was still accusing him. Maybe he, David, wanted to know that even though he couldn't erase the thoughts from his mind, the memories from his mind, maybe he wanted to know that if God would erase those from his mind and remember them no further, that he's found some sort of hope in that fact that the God, the creator of the universe, if he had forgotten them, then history would forget them. According to your love, he prays. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. My friends, the message of the scriptures, the message of Christianity, the message of our church is that that is the very thing that God does. He remembers us according to his love, not according to our love. He remembers us according to his goodness, not according to our goodness or our badness or whatever. He remembers us according to his love and to his goodness because, my friends, that's what good parents do. 
That's what good, good fathers do, like we just sang a moment ago. This has been proved out in the world. There was a study done a few years back by Roland Benoit. He's a cognitive neuroscientist in Cambridge, England. He knows what he's talking about. And he found out that the brain, for us humans, has two ways of dealing with unpleasant memories. Either we block them out or we replace them with a better substitute memory. And he found that that's how parents remember their children. I mean, my mom, who loves me very much, she doesn't remember me by the fact that I got suspended for school or the fact that I almost got kicked out of confirmation here at St. John's. (laughs) And apparently God didn't, or the elders remember that either, because I'm a pastor here today. (laughs) The irony. But even death row inmates, they have parents who come and visit and remember the good things about their children. Whatever bad things that we did as kids, they are so often forgotten by our parents because of their great love for us. And if that happens with earthly, broken, imperfect parents, imagine how much more that is the case with our heavenly, perfect, good Father. He remembers us. He remembers us according to his awesome, unfailing love. He remembers us according to his perfect Righteous goodness. That's how God remembers you. That's how God remembers me. That's how God remembers my friend Jane in youth ministry. That's how God remembers King David himself. When he looks at us, he sees us as his beloved children. Every bad memory is replaced and substituted with a good one. You see in the scriptures that the heavenly father looked upon Jesus at his baptism and his transfiguration. He looked down on him. We heard the voice and it says, this is my son whom I love. I'm so pleased with him. Jesus died on the cross to give us that gift. God looks down upon us. He says, that's my son. That's my daughter. I love him. I love her. I am so pleased with you. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave us that view from the Father, and the Father looks at us, and he sees us, and he loves us the way he looks at his son, Jesus. And that love and that goodness, it works into our being, it works into our lives, so much that yours truly became a pastor, so much so that King David, King David, his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson, a thousand years after him, was Jesus. I mean, if you ever thought that God couldn't redeem the sins of your youth and your rebellious ways, you look at the story of King David. From him came the Messiah. From him came Jesus himself. God's love and his goodness work in us. So much so that my friend Jane devoted herself to helping youth to being with them, helping them make wiser decisions, being with them when they fell and made bad decisions, supporting them and surrounding them with the word of God, the grace of God through his body, the church. And on that note, I'd like to make a little bit of turn. If you're in junior high school here or you're in high school or you're in college here this morning, I mean, that's what our whole entire band up there, did you see them? Age 15 to 24, praise God. For them. If you're a youth in the congregation this morning and you're feeling tempted by the world, you're being pulled by temptations and struggles, I want you to hear these words from 
Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. He says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Remember God in your youth. Because, you know, while my friend Jane, God redeemed her life, set her on a new path, she would have given anything to go back in time to make one different decision so she could hold her baby for just one moment. Jane, God's grace worked in her life. And you too have been called by God and redeemed by him. If you're a youth in the room tonight, hear those words. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. But not only that, know that God has called you to great things. God has called you to be a witness to your peers and to your friends, and you can reach them like no one else can. I love the fact that we have Adam, 15 years old, leading worship up here for us this morning. Basically, a youth ministry up here leading us in worship, remembering their creator in the days of their youth. And for the rest of us out here who are not youth, that includes us in our 40s who still think we're young. For us in our 50s and 60s and 70s and 30s, it's time for us to take a look at that because the parents of our youth today cannot do it alone. They need our help. Our youth need other strong Christian men and Christian women in their lives to be role models, to point them to Jesus, to walk with them in their struggles, to forgive them when they fall. And I'm telling you, I am a pastor here today at St. John's because of the youth ministry and the volunteers of our youth ministry so many years ago. I hope that some of you in the room will feel the nudge of the Spirit. I hope that God is leading you to serve the youth of our congregation in some way. And if you feel that calling in your life, I hope you'll give me a call, send me an email, talk to me after church, and we'll get you plugged in to the right people this week. Psalm 25, verse 7. Remember, do not remember the sins of my youth in my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. As we as a congregation press Control-Alt-Delete this Lenten season, King David reminds us to have our eyes always fixed on the Lord, to come to him in fear, in reverence, to honor him, and to in humility acknowledge the brokenness, the sin in our life now and in the past. And as Acts 3.19 says, repent, reboot, 
Press control, alt, delete. Hold the power button down and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord.